Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Crypto.com. Get their app and buy crypto at true cost. Get a metal MCO Visa card with up to 5% back on all your spending. Download the Crypto.com app today. eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world, with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform per year. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets with transparent fees. Create an account today at eToro.com. That's E-T-O-R-O dot com. CypherTrace cutting-edge cryptocurrency intelligence powers anti-money laundering, blockchain analytics, and threat intel. Leading exchanges, virtual currency businesses, banks, and regulators themselves use CypherTrace to comply with regulation and to monitor compliance. Today's guest is the developer of HKMap.Live, who goes by the alias Kuma. This is going to be an unusual episode, because when I first reached out to HKMap, he responded, quote, Thanks for the invitation, but we currently do not accept voice, video, meetup interview, only accept text interview. So he and I agreed that he could send me his responses by email and I would read them aloud on the show. They've been edited ever so slightly, and at certain points when he referred me to links rather than giving me an answer directly, I've written short summaries of that material. Here was my first question. What does HKMap.Live do? HKMap is a site that support HK protests for freedom by providing real-time crowdsourced geolocation data of groups of polices, protesters, deployed tear gas, warning flags, and more. We gather data from user submissions and verify them using trusted ground crews, live broadcasts, telegram channels, etc. Public can use this information to plan their activities, either to join the protests or to avoid the hot zones. Some reporters also use our information to find point of interest. At this point, he referred me to a course article written by Mary Hui, which I will quote from here. She writes, HKMap.Live is, quote, a dynamic map of Hong-, of Hong Kong that users can zoom in and out of, much like Google Maps. But in addition to detailed street and building names, this one features various emoji to communicate information at a glance. A dog for police, a worker in a yellow hard hat for protesters, a dinosaur for the police's black-clad special tactical squad, a white speech bubble for tear gas, two exclamation points for danger. My next question, how many downloads have you gotten after you launched it, slash how many people are using it? Since our launch on August 5th, we covered almost every protest everywhere in Hong Kong. We peaked at over 200k unique users daily in early October. We hit another peak in the last 24 hours when HK government decided to invade a local university. Here, he referred me to an article titled, Hong Kong police and protesters battle into the night on CUHK campus as university head among those tear gassed. I will link to this article in the show notes. CUHK stands for Chinese University of Hong Kong. My next question, why do you think the Apple Store banned it? 
pressure from China, and they have too much to lose there. Sales and production lines. How did you find out it was banned? Did Apple inform you? Apple informed us. They first rejected the listing and then approved it. And after an editorial from China state media, we got removed again. At this point, he referred me to the Wikipedia page on hkmap.live, but I will summarize the events here myself. On September 21st, Kuma submitted hkmap.live to Apple, but after five days, it was rejected from its app store due to an issue regarding payment options. Kuma resubmitted the application after fixing the issue, but Apple rejected the app again on October 2nd, saying it, quote, facilitates, enables, or encourages an activity that is not legal, and that it, quote, allowed users to evade law enforcement. Kuma initially blamed bureaucratic error for the rejection rather than censorship, because as he put it, the app was built to show events happening in Hong Kong, and because they, quote, do not encourage illegal activity. He sees it as being similar to apps such as Waze, which helps drivers avoid traffic cameras and police. And he says Apple's reasoning seemed to assume that hkmap.live users would break the law. Apple then reversed its decision on October 4th and made the app available in the App Store the next day. However, on October 8th, the Chinese Communist Party's People Daily ran an editorial which claimed that Apple was endorsing and protecting what they called the rioters in the 2019 Hong Kong protests by listing quote, a poison app, which the editorial claimed allowed, quote, Hong Kong rioters to openly commit crime while openly escaping arrests. Although the editorial didn't name hkmap.live specifically, the next day Apple removed it from its app store once again. According to Statista, Apple made $44 billion in revenue from China in the fiscal year 2019. After hkmap tweeted, quote, we once believed that app rejection is simply a bureaucratic F-up, but now it is clearly a political decision to suppress freedom and human right in Hong Kong. It is disappointing to see U.S. corps such as Apple, NBA, Blizzard Entertainment, Tiffany & Co. act against freedom. HKMAP is used by passerby, protesters, journalists, tourists, and even pro-government supporters. It might be hard for people outside to imagine tear gases in your neighborhood, train station, or your go-to shopping mall but roughly 5,000 of them is fired since June. Side note, if HKMAP is for target and ambush police or other illegal purpose as falsely accused, why would I bother making it available to the public? This was my next question, Akuma. Why do you think the Google Store still allows your app? Google's Play Store is a more open platform, and they have much less China exposure than Apple. Also, because the accusation of our app being illegal does not stand, there is zero evidence to support such claim. Not a single law is being cited by, cited by Hong Kong police. And what we are doing is just same as Waze, any messaging app, and social networks. My next question. Why did you start accepting cryptocurrencies? Injustice in Hong Kong forced us to go anonymous. Crypto pseudo-anonymity helped to mitigate this risk, thus protecting us and our users. Many people think crypto equate evil, but I don't think this is fair. Undeniably, there are terrible activity funded by Bitcoins, but so do cash. There are organizations fighting for a good cause out there, really need the anonymity and decentralized feature cryptos offer, and HKMAP being one of them. Funding for anti-government movements in an oppressive regime is dangerous. After all, legality is defined by the government. Our encounter with Apple shown that the HK government can declare us violating law without citing any evidence and specific law that we broke, nor did they contact me regarding problematic user-generated content. How did you get into crypto? Personal interest, 
Kuma said. Why would anybody not be excited about crypto? <sighs> My next question. How did you choose which cryptocurrencies to accept? Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, and Ethereum are mainstream. Monero and Zcash offer more privacy. Others are usually upon request. Note to listeners, the other cryptocurrencies that HKMAP accepts are Stellar, Ripple, and Nano. How much have you received? A couple thousands worth of US dollars so far. How do you cash out and convert to Hong Kong dollars? Unable to disclose, but many of our providers accept cryptos. What do you do with the money? Hosting cost, operation cost, legal, legal expense reserve, and other projects related to HK protests, online and offline. Are you changing how you transact when it comes to your personal finances as well? If so, what strategies do you use? His response, not much to tell. We're going to discuss decentralization and how Kuma manages his technology. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. Will the world follow France and advocate banning privacy coins? Will government-backed stablecoins become the new fiat? Are distributed and peer-to-peer exchanges just a flash in the pan? The answer is maybe. Virtual currencies can flourish and create a new, private, and more versatile economy. But that grand vision can't happen without keeping crypto clean. And that requires support of governments and accountability for bad actors. Privacy-enhanced compliance using cryptographic controls has the potential to preserve anonymity without compromising legitimate investigations. CypherTrace is working on this vision of the future. Sign up to stay up to date on the privacy-enhanced compliance initiative and receive authoritative crypto AML reports quarterly. www.cyphertrace.com slash keep crypto clean. Are you interested in getting into the cryptocurrency markets but don't know where to start building your portfolio? eToro has the answer for you. It's called CopyTrader by eToro. With CopyTrader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders at the exact price in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply sign up and copy the trader of your choice. Any profits they make, you do too, proportional to your investment. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees, all in one easy-to-use app. Copy the smart money with eToro. Join now at eToro.com. That's E-T-O-R-O dot com. Back to my conversation with Kuma of HKMap.Live. How did you come up with the idea for this map? Hong Kong's bee water protest spread all around the city. It is hard to navigate only with text info, even for locals. Anyone who played a real-time strategy game will probably have similar idea. Before you launched this site, how did people know where to go slash what places to avoid, depending on their view of the protests? There are established information, telegram channel, and text format. HK Map consolidate and visualize it in a larger scale. How many people are behind HKMAP? Is it a group of people who are known to each other? Or are you anonymous and decentralized? If you're anonymous and decentralized, how do you communicate and work together? I am the only developer slash system admin slash PR guy, etc. There are a handful of admins, or I prefer moderators, who will verify content submitted by users. We know each other online and gained trust by a chain of trust and countless cooperation. Basically, none of them know who I am in real life. We communicate via telegram, mostly. 
Then I asked him, does anyone in your real life know you are the administrator for this site? Yes, few that I trust 100%. Can you tell me anything about yourself? He says, I am a 20-something financial professional. The income from my job is still a major funding source for HKMAP. How do you keep the info up to date? Our platform is crowdsourced. HK's protest is a movement that's supported by a majority of Hong Kong residents. The masses provide us information they see, and we process, verify, and organize them. How do you know whether to trust someone's report? We have trusted moderators and users. For untrusted users, we might, one, send a ground scout to check out the situation, two, live news broadcast, three, user history, four, other users up or down vote. You can see a little check mark if such report passed our verification. For those we are unable to confirm, we either leave it there or delete it right away. And then I asked him, why did you pick the dog emoji for the police and a dinosaur emoji for the police's special tactical squad? Dog is a local slang for police officers. It is a negative saying, but we think it is fair given, given the widespread police brutality. Dinosaur is for the special tactical units, officially known as raptors. How many times do you update the site per day? Continuously, whenever there is a protest. For the last couple of days, we are talking about 10 to 20 hours daily. Sounds crazy, but cannot be compared to those who risk their life in protests on the street. <laughs> then I had to follow up with, how do you manage to work on this 10 to 20 hours a day, but also keep your job? There are going strike in Hong Kong, and sometimes I took annual leaves when I anticipate protest happening. In the past, in the past months, protests usually happen during weekends. People in crypto often talk about the dangers of centralized structures. Th this was my question to him. People in crypto often talk about the dangers of centralized structures, and many of the networks in crypto are decentralized or aim to be. Do you see any parallels in the work you are doing with the Hong Kong protests? Our site is currently centralized, but I heard some are already researching the possibility of a decentralized solution that serves a similar purpose. That said, our site is developed in a hurry, and with the limited manpower, it is impossible to go that route. Then I asked him, are the protests also aiming to be decentralized? If so, why, and what strategies are you using for decentralization? Yes, we are. By the matter of fact, we don't have a single organization that organized the protests. Protesters form small groups and call for protest in online forum, like LIHKG, which is Hong Kong's version of Reddit, and Telegram groups. This way, we won't have to risk the leader getting compromised by the Chinese government. However, funding is an area that we can hardly decentralize, decentralize except receiving cash donations. HKMAP is likely the first to push cryptocurrency donations in HK. My next question in general, what measures do you take when it comes to your technology, communication, and finances to be able to keep protesting? He wrote, encrypt everything. Use VPN and Tor interchangeably. Separate device with secure OS for more critical stuff like server and database access. General communication using Telegram. And then he put an arrow to Telegram secret chat. This is sort of like getting more secretive. And then another arrow to PG, PGP encrypted email for more important stuff. Avoid Chinese-owned company at all cost and try to use a crypto-accepted service providers whenever possible. Then I asked him a follow-up question where you said 
separate device with secure OS for more critical stuff like server and database access. What does that mean? That your phone is not connected to the servers that run the website? His response, I use a separate machine to manage the servers, not the one that I use while typing this email. This way, even the main, even if the main system is compromised, our server and user, user data will remain protected. My next question, what technologies or apps or improvements do you think crypto needs to make needs to make it more usable? Accessibility. For example, in Hong Kong, it is hard to obtain cryptocurrency without extensive KYC, which stands for know your customer processes, which require identification. Personal information is the last thing they want to share to a lesser known third party when they are trying to support a protest that the government is hitting hard. I think this can be fixed by increased adoption. My next question to him. What do the protesters want from either the Hong Kong government or the Chinese government? While I cannot speak for the protesters, here's the widely accepted five demands. One, the complete withdrawal of the proposed extradition bill. Two, the government to withdraw the use of the word riot in relation to protests. Three, the unconditional release of arrested protesters and charges against them dropped. Four, an independent inquiry into police behavior. Five, implementation of genuine universal suffrage. Then I asked, what would make you stop protesting? Again, I cannot speak for the protesters, but fulfilling the five demands would likely be a prerequisite. Then I asked him, just to clarify, you are not a protester. What is your stance on the protests? He responded, I consider myself a protester, but less often to physically participate as I have to manage HKMAP. My next question, which is your favorite cryptocurrency and why? Is there any particular one that is best suited for your purposes? I don't have a strong preference and not going to start a war here. They all have promising features. <laughs> um, next question. Are there any features you'd like to request of any particular cryptocurrencies or any products or services you would like to request of entrepreneurs in the space? His response. I hope there are fiat to crypto exchanges in Hong Kong that don't require KYC, at least for small amounts. But understandably, that is not up to the exchanges. My last question to him. Is there anything else you would like to say as a message to my listeners who are primarily cryptocurrency enthusiasts, entrepreneurs, developers, investor, investors, regulators, and all the other roles involved in the space? In my opinion, two core features of cryptocurrency are transparent and decentralized. And we all know China is unlikely to release something that they cannot control. See how Hong Kong's one country, two system goes. China's version of blockchain would very, very likely be centralized, making it a massive and transparent surveillance tool for the Chinese government. Here's a side note for listeners. He later said that this comment refers to the upcoming Chinese digital yuan. With China's increasing influence to foreign cooperation like Apple, Blizzard, NBA, etc., people around the world should reconsider if they still want to take the China money and let the communist government take control. I also hope you guys can spend some time to learn about the situation in Hong Kong. Hong Kong people need international support to fight the giant. Let's stand with Hong Kong and hope HKers will get their well-deserved freedom and democracy that was promised by the Chinese government 22 years ago. Also, please let me know if you have any blockchain idea that would like to share with us. We HKers like innovations. And that uh, concludes my interview with Kuma of HK Map Live. 
So thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope I'm not sure how this experiment works. I will have to listen to it myself and see what I think. Um, but anyway, all right. So don't forget, next up is the news recap. Stick around for This Week in Crypto after this short break. Crypto.com, have you seen the MCO Visa card? A metal card loaded with perks with up to 5% back and unlimited airport lounge access. They pay for your Spotify and Netflix too. What's not to love? With Crypto.com, not only can you spend your crypto, but you can grow it too. Earn up to 6% per year on the most popular coins like BTC, XRP, LTC, and up to 12% per year on stable coins. Join the over 1 million others and download the Crypto.com app today. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's news recap. We start with a pretty fitting announcement given the interview I just did for the show. $75 million anonymous Bitcoin fund launches to support cryptocurrency among other areas. A new anonymous organization going by the name Unknown Fund announced that it will invest in and donate $75 million worth of Bitcoin to startups that, quote, directly or indirectly support the idea of anonymity. Preference will be given to the following niches, protection of personal data, tools for anonymity, cryptocurrency, and blockchain. The organizers say that they are ordinary people from around the world who met on 4chan. Quote, we are you. We are your sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, friends and colleagues. Our ranks consist of representatives of many countries and nationalities, united by a virtual comradely spirit and the belief that we are fighting for the good of many and not for the benefit of some. Anonymous is the voice of those who believe in truth, freedom, and the right to self-expression. The Unknown Fund cites the protection of personal data as one of the big challenges of our time due to the way it has been used to manipulate people. The examples it gives are what it calls the ultra-targeted advertising used in the campaigns for Brexit and the last U.S. presidential election. Quote, one can see how easy it is to manipulate public opinion with enough personal data. However, the manipulation of people occurs not only in big politics, but also in our daily lives. A perfect example is the level of addiction that the general population has to social networks, addiction orchestrated and achieved by corporations. Intriguingly, Unknown Fund ended its press release by mentioning that it will start by investing in commercial startups and donations to profits, nonprofits. Then it says, quote, Investing is just the beginning. Anonymous have developed a number of strategies and methods that will be announced later. And then it quotes Edward Snowden. If you believe in freedom of speech and the media, and most importantly, in a free and accessible internet, then you are also anonymous. Our opponents should not doubt our determination or conviction. We will continue to fight as much as necessary to achieve our goal. The second story I want to highlight is what I'm calling TLDR on CoinShares 2019 Crypto Trends Report. CoinShares released its 2019 Crypto Trends Report, a 134-page behemoth that included data from Gartner, Bloomberg, Electric Capital, the World Bank, the U.S. Federal Reserve, and others, and which was presented by Meltem Demirers at the Crypto Invest, at the Consensus Invest Conference in New York. The part of the report that I wanted to highlight is the one on business models in which CoinShares analyzed ICO funding. It observes that many crypto foundations are now operating as investment funds. For instance, one chart shows that the EOS VC fund raised $4 billion and has deployed $600 million to date, and the XSpring fund by Ripple has $12 billion and has deployed $500 million to date. Meltem tweeted, quote, 
Using a token to bootstrap open source protocol development seems inefficient. After looking at the various types of business models in the space and calling some scalables and others not, she says, quote, The market is ripe for M&A activity. Lots of spare cash on corporate balance sheets, and 2018 was a strong year for fintech M&A, with two deals greater than $10 billion. However, not many attractive M&A targets yet. They need stable revenue and free cash flow. The next headline, multi-capital, multi-coin capital releases report, Binance is blitzscaling. VC fund multi-coin capital, which owns BNB tokens, published a report on Binance, saying, quote, the Binance team has continued to execute at a phenomenal pace, and they're not showing any signs of slowing down. In fact, Binance is expanding to compete with every major crypto exchange around the world. The report then lists those products. First, peer-to-peer on-ramp for Chinese retail, which competes with Huobi's P2P op- offering. Binance US for US traders, which competes with Coinbase. Binance Futures to compete directly with BitMEX, OKX, and other derivatives exchanges. Lending and margin trading to compete with Bitfinex and Poloniex. Launching Binance stablecoins such as BUSD to compete with Gemini's GUSD, Ipbit's PAX, Bitfinex's Tether, and Coinbase's USDC. And finally, fiat on-ramps in the long tail of nations to compete with localized exchange offerings. The report concludes, quote, the Binance team is making the explicit decision that they want to be the central hub for all crypto economic activity. They want to own staking, borrowing, lending, options trading, futures trading, asset issuance, venture investing, spot trading, sovereign currency tokenization, and more. I'll let you dive into the report to see how well Multicoin makes its case, but there is no question that Binance that Binance is moving quickly on a number of fronts. Also, side note, the block's Stephen Zhang tweeted that Binance US makes about $870 per website visitor, and his colleague Larry Cermak said Coinbase has been making on average $370 per website visitor over the last six months. Speaking of Coinbase, the next story is um, Coinbase's blog post, which details how it thinks about proof of work. It explains its decision to change confirmation requirements for four assets, including lowering confirmations for Bitcoin from six down to three. Hopefully, if you've been a listener of this show and of Unchained, you know that one of the main benefits of ASIC mining, despite its tendency to centralize mining, is that it makes the network more secure. That's the first point that Coinbase makes here. Quote, coins are the greatest greatest risk of 51% attack are the ones where there exists large amounts of hash power not actively mining the coin that could begin mining and disrupt the coin's blockchain. If you want to understand this concept more, you should definitely check out my Unchained episode with David Vorek of Sciacoin and Nebulous. The Coinbase blog post then goes into the benefits of ASIC-friendly consensus algorithms, saying, quote, ASIC resistance merely raises the barrier to entry into the ASIC market. This results in greater centralization of mining hardware manufacturing, the very situation that the selection of an ASIC-resistant algorithm is meant to avoid. Finally, the the post concludes, quote, every at-scale professional industry utilizes specialized equipment. It is naive to think that cryptocurrency mining will or should be any different. For the next set of headlines, I did a little Asia roundup. There's a lot going on in Asia nowadays, which I'm sure you all know. 
First uh, little tidbit here, Cheng Shen Mu, the head of the People's Bank of China Digital Currency Research Institute, confirmed that it will offer anonymity features. Alex Gladstein of the Human Rights Foundation tweeted a response to this news. Quote, narrator, he was lying. <laughs> uh, next headline, a China-based Bitcoin mining company, Canaan, revised its IPO offering down to $100 million from $400 million in the spring. Devi Wan, tweeting this news, wrote, wrecked alert, and added that it was valued at $1.6 billion in its most recent valuation, but the current expected IPO valuation is $1.5 billion. Third little Asia news uh, tidbit here is, despite previous denials, Justin Sun confirmed that he is part of the investment group that bought Poloniex. He also did a periscope from the Poloniex Twitter accounts. I feel like if I were, uh, you know, one of those late night comedians, there's a lot I could say here, but I'm not going to. Um, Last little bit of news from Asia. Longhash did a piece exploring why cryptocurrency trading volumes in South Korea are down. As we all know, Korea was famous during the height of the crypto craze for its kimchi premium because crypto volumes were just so bananas there. Um, However, everything is quite more subdued now. Um, The piece even says that Korea's largest exchange, Bithum, has seen volume drop 83% from a year ago, not even two years ago. Next headline, brother of OneCoin founder pleads guilty to money laundering and fraud, faces up to 90 years in prison. The BBC reports that Konstantin Ignatov, the brother of Dr. Ruja Ignatova, the brother, the founder of OneCoin, has reached a plea deal with the U.S. Department of Justice. He's admitted his role in the OneCoin fraud, which is believed to have raised as much as $5 billion. OneCoin Limited, which is still in operational in Bulgaria, denies all wrongdoing. And Dr. Ruja Ignatova is has been missing for quite a while. Ignatov is complying with the terms of the plea deal and so will not face further criminal charges except for criminal tax violations, but he could be sentenced to up to 90 years in prison. Finally, this week's fun bits. UMA Protocol makes a... (laughs) I can't say the word on this podcast, but uh, I guess you can call it a poop coin for San Francisco. You may have heard of the so-called Poop Patrol in San Francisco, which has been formed in recent years because of, yes, the impossible-to-ignore levels of human feces on the streets of this once beautiful city. Well, as UMA Protocol founder Hart Lambert tweeted, with UMA Protocol, we created a token that profits the more poop is reported. He has a blog post in which you can read all about it. But if this becomes the first successful real world use case of tokens, then this will be a crazy way in which my professional world intersects with my real life. Because yes, I've walked the streets of San Francisco in the last few years, and all I'm going to say here is that it is not like a walk you take anywhere else. All right, that's it. That's it for this week's news. Thanks for joining us on Unconfirmed. To learn more about the topics that I discussed with Kuma, as well as the stories from this week's news recap, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the show a top rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find out about us. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Fractal Recording, Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, and Josh Durham. Thanks for listening.